live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. Here is the deal. Let me kind of go through what we know, and then I want to discuss this with you. It's just mind-boggling, and it might not technically be illegal, but if it's not, it should be. The reality is no car insurance, no problem. Nuts to that. Let's get them off the road. Impound the cars. Make the streets safer. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. You know, this controversy involving the secretly recorded phone call month or so ago by Tony between Tony Evers and Republican legislative leaders the story is getting more interesting and not so much from the fact that 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 there was a recording as i said last week and if you haven't been following the story after the supreme court struck down the Evers safer at home rules there was a phone call between the governor it was a conference call, and Robin Voss, the Speaker of the Assembly, and Scott Fitzgerald, the Senate Majority Leader, to kind of see where we, we go next. And apparently on the call were the, the three parties, the Governor, Voss, Fitzgerald, and there was the Governor's legal staff, his, his chief legal counsel, and there was the Governor's chief of, of staff. Okay, so those were the five people that were, were known to be on on the call. What happened, as it turns out, is unbeknownst to Voss and Fitzgerald, and apparently, according to the governor, unbeknownst to him, somebody recorded the call. So that the call was essentially somebody in Evers' office wiretapped Evers. Is, is about is essentially what what that is. Now, again, I, the, the the purpose for and then then what happened is someone leaked the existence of the recording to the local newspaper, to the Journal Sentinel, and they filed an open records request and was turned over. That's how Voss and Fitzgerald found out that they'd been recorded because they, they got this open records request and said, we don't have any we don't have any transcript or tape of the call, and, and Evers' office did. Now, somebody, presumably in Evers' office, l- leaked the existence of of this recording because it then turned into a, a headline story about Robin Voss and um, the, what what he why he attributed the outbreak of coronavirus in uh, Burlington to like like some cultural issues and so I, I presume somebody leaked it to the paper knowing they were going to get that headline and trying to make Voss look bad. O- okay, my my first point is on taping. I think that generally speaking, if you are a public official, you should assume that. Anything that you say might at some point in time be made public. Now, it is unusual for public officials to tape themselves. That was kind of one of the lessons of the Nixon administration, that um, you, you you put these tapes out there, and, and typically, uh, again, a lot of times you, you end up saying things in these conversations that maybe are taken out of context or that you regret. But, but in any event, I've always believed that you should assume that you are being taped and not say anything that you wouldn't want to hear repeated um, on, on a radio program or on a TV news broadcast or, or in the newspaper. So th- that, that was the whole background on this. Now, it does get a little bit more interesting, though, because in Wisconsin – the law is that we are what is called a one-party consent 
state. That, that's what the law says. In some states, it is illegal to record a conversation unless both parties or all parties to the conversation know that they are being recorded. That, that's, that's the way the law works. Wisconsin doesn't work that way. In Wisconsin, the law says that as long as one of the two parties to the conversation consents to the recording, well, then, then it's legal. So the idea would be if I'm talking to my producer, Gru, and Gru decides that he wants to record the conversation for whatever reason, he's, he is allowed to do that because he is a party to the conversation. The thinking behind that is that if there was a dispute and, and Gru could go into court and testify, well, on, on June 16th, I had a conversation with Jeff and he said this. And if he would be allowed to testify to that, the thinking is, why shouldn't he also be able to play the, the tape recording, which would be the best evidence of what was actually said? So Wisconsin is a, a one-party consent state. All you need is one party to consent. Well, he, here, here's the deal, though, that, that gets to be very interesting. Evers said he did not know that he was being recorded. Okay, so he can't consent to it. Voss and Fitzgerald did not know they were being recorded, so they could not consent to it. The only other two announced parties on the call were the legal counsel and uh, the governor's chief of staff. And at this point in time, Evers refuses to say who it was that authorized the recording. And this becomes important, I guess, because if it wasn't Maggie Gow, the chief of staff, or it wasn't the chief legal counsel that decided to record this, if it was somebody else and none of the five of the people, the parties, the announced parties knew that this was being recorded, well, then the person who recorded it would have committed a felony. That That's just kind of the way the, the law works. And for whatever reasons, Evers refuses to disclose who it was that made the decision to record the call. And I don't want to get too far into the weeds here, but I, I mean, I do think at this point in time that the governor has an obligation to come forward and say, all right, the call was recorded. He looks like a buffoon because his staff is, is essentially wiretapping him, which, which says that's an internal thing. But as far as the, the rights of Voss and Fitzgerald, I mean, if they... If they were being recorded without their knowledge, well, okay, that, that's fine, as long as the people, it's the people that were on the call that were, were doing this, that were known participants. If, if there's somebody else that's secretly recording this, that may in fact be a crime. And the only way to put this all behind us is for the governor to come forward and explain what it was that, that happened and who it was that made the decision without his knowledge to record the call. And if it turns out to be one of the participants, okay, then nothing to see here from a criminal perspective. If it turns out that there was somebody else who was listening in, who made the decision to record it, it may be a much different situation. The governor wants this to go away, and the mainstream media really hasn't been aggressively pursuing this. If this happened when Scott Walker was governor, you knew you know this would be a lead story on TV newscasts and in newspapers since it happened. Because Scott Walker isn't the governor, there, there's not this much of a focus. But until Evers comes forward and says, who it was that made the decision without his knowledge to record the call, 
there's going to be this cloud hanging over the entire conversation and the administration. So, you know, come clean, Governor. Tell us what happened. You might look bad. Members of your staff might look bad. But it's what you need to do to put this behind you. When we come back, all right, is it a bad idea or is it overdue and should more communities consider it? I will explain. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. One of the big things of the summer are fireworks celebrations in connection with the 4th of July. We like fireworks around here. We, we, we just do. And if you're trying to find fireworks this 3rd or 4th of July, my, my, my two-word answer is good luck. Because pretty much in, in Milwaukee County, all the public fireworks displays have been canceled. Now, the ostensible reason is because of COVID-19 concerns and large groups getting together, which, of course, raises the question that if it's okay to have thousands of people walking in the streets to, to protest, why can't you have thousands of people gathering in outdoor areas to watch fireworks? But I, I digress. So pretty much in Milwaukee County, it's just it's not going to happen. Um, there are other there are some communities, now there are a couple exceptions, where fireworks are going to go on, maybe not over the 4th of July, some in early June, some are pushed back after Labor Day. But as a general rule, we are not seeing fireworks displays. Now, I, I was thinking about this because I, I saw a, a note from a, a private club, and it said that they were going to go ahead and have fireworks on the 4th of July. And this is one of these clubs that has a golf course attached to it. And what they said they were going to do is they were going to draw circles i forget how big in diameter the circles were going to be on at, at the driving range for the golf course that's associated with the club and then what people could do is they could make reservations and you could go and you could you could hang out in your particular circle and they were going to shoot off fireworks and i thought hmm that that that's kind of an interesting idea i now see that in west bend the city's fireworks show is going to go on. The city of West Bend says its annual 4th of July fireworks display will still take place on July 4th at dusk. But the park where they shoot them off from, it's going to be closed spectators. The city said the show would not include ground displays, but instead would incorporate high-flying fireworks that will be visible from afar. West Bend residents are encouraged to watch the fireworks from their home. Spectators are going to be able to park on streets near the park, but are asked to stay near their vehicle. Now, the typical 4th of July uh, parade and, and other activities aren't, aren't going to occur. But they said, you know what, we're, we're going to go ahead and go and we're going to go ahead and we're going to shoot off the fireworks. And yes, we're not going to open the park and we're not going to allow people to come in and pack side by side. But we're going to do this in such a way that it is going to be visible for miles around. Our number, 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Kudos to West Bend. I mean, I understand why... Even given the various protest movements and stuff where it's okay to have thousands of people that are wandering down the street, I, I, I understand I understand that we still don't want to have mass gatherings and that it's probably not a good idea to have thousands of people crammed together in, even though it's outside spaces in close quarters watching fireworks. I get that. I understand it. But it seems to me that this is a great 
plan B. We're going to go ahead. We're going to have the fireworks. People will be able to watch them from their cars. People will be able to social distance, but people are still going to be able to see the fireworks. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. To me, this is creative, out-of-the-box thinking that more communities should consider instead of just, well, we're going to cancel. What do you think? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, we will get to you. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I think what West Bend's doing is commendable. I think other communities should do this. I think it is an appropriate middle ground. Of course, in Milwaukee County, the response is, well, we're just going to cancel all the fireworks. Well, why, why, why do you have to do that? And if you're just tuning in, West Bend says, hey, we're, we're going to go ahead. We're going to have the fireworks display. We're going to shoot them off from Riverside Park like we normally do, but we're, we're not letting people into Riverside Park. We're, we're going to do it. We're encouraging you to go to other places, sit in your cars, get outside of your car and, and watch, but we're going to, in that fashion, we're going to have a degree of social distancing, but we're still going to go ahead and have the fireworks. Mark from Bristol texts, Jeff, thanks so much for the information. I've taken my mother every 4th of July for fireworks as tradition. She was very upset with everything being canceled. Congrats to West Bend. They've just saved my 4th of July. Um, Jeff, Monroe, Wisconsin, just announced yesterday they will be going ahead with fireworks similar to what West Bend is doing. I think this is awesome. We all need opportunities to celebrate our country and our community this summer. Jeff, Okachi and Cedar Lake Yacht Club have fireworks on the par- on the 4th as well. Jeff, Manitowoc has a parade in fireworks this year. It's an extended parade route, though. Well, I, I understand the, the parade issues. I, I typically... I, I typically go and watch the Menominee Falls parade. Um, that's just been a, it's been a tradition that my wife and my wife's family have had for years and years. And, and I mean, look, I, I understand why those type of things where you've got all sorts of people crowded on a parade route. I understand why that would be the type of thing that you would want to discourage. Again, we didn't discourage the protests, but okay, it, it's still, it's not a good idea. I appreciate that. But, that doesn't mean that you can't have the fireworks displays that are out there. That is important as well. Um, here's a text, uh, Jeff. I used to, I used to watch fireworks from the the, the roof of uh, my my dad's farm, the barn, and you could see fireworks from all different locations. It's too bad I'm afraid of heights now. Well, I I, I appreciate that sentiment. It's interesting because I was just thinking about that. I have some. Very good friends who just moved into a home that, that's very, very close to Lake Michigan. And I, I was sitting there the other night on their patio, Saturday night freezing because it was so cold. But I was thinking, you know, from your location, if they show, shot off fireworks, we could probably see fireworks from three or four different places. So in a normal 4th of July, just plan on having a party here because I, I want to show up and, and do that. But, of course, this isn't going to be a, uh, a normal 4th of July. Mike in Marquette, Michigan says, Jeff, this makes perfect sense. I wish our community had the foresight to do this considering um, – considering there's a giant dock that's on the lake, an ore dock. People are free to sit where they can. They can social distance, and yet they can enjoy the fireworks. See, again, this is the type of creative thinking that's out there that I think 
encourages or or should encourage people to have some sense of normalcy. Now, I admit, it's easier just to cancel the stuff. And it's easier just to say, okay, well, we're not going to allow people to go out. We're not going to give them things to do. But you know what? You know what? I think at some point in time, we've got to start getting back to living our lives. I think we can trust people as a general rule to do the right thing. And again, if we're going to, if we're going to allow thousands and thousands of people to go out in the streets and protest, and I have no problem with that as long as it's peaceful, by the way, you know, why can't we also allow other people to sort of gather with appropriate social distancing and enjoy great American traditions like the fireworks. Kudos to West Bend. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Perhaps sometimes the devil is in the details. Here's the story. Milwaukee County has decided through an executive order by the new county executive that it is going to Make Juneteenth Day, which is it's Friday this week. It's going to make it a floating holiday for county employees. Now, that doesn't mean on June 19th that what's going to happen is that the county is going to be closed. It's going to be that the employees get a floating holiday that they can take sometime during the year. So the, the offices aren't going to be closed on June 19th, on June 19th, like that they're closed on Christmas Day or they're closed on Thanksgiving. Here's the way it's written up in the Journal Sentinel. June 19th will become a floating holiday for Milwaukee County employees in recognition of June 10th, which commemorates the end of slavery in the U.S. The measure, announced in a joint statement from the county executive and the county board chairwoman, is, quote, part of Milwaukee County's efforts to achieve racial equity and be the healthiest county in Wisconsin. The county recognizes that Milwaukee and the nation are presently facing two public health emergencies, one acute emergency caused by COVID-19 and one deep-rooted emergency caused by racism. Milwaukee County is committed to working towards equity and shifting its own institutional power to demonstrate leadership in dismantling white supremacy and racist policies and practices. The county executive said in his statement that Juneteenth recognizes the African-American community's rich history history and culture and centuries-long struggle for civil rights. The measure implemented through an executive order and will be introduced to the County Board of Supervisors in the July cycle to make it a permanent floating holiday. Okay. Now, I I really, I mean, I, I have no issue with the sentiment behind it, but I started thinking, all right, now Milwaukee County, is a fiscal train wreck. Can, can we all uh, agree with that? And it was a fiscal train wreck before what happened earlier this year. Now, up to a point, public revenues haven't been hit, at least up to a point, as much as, as private sectors have because of the coronavirus shutdown. But but that that is changing quickly because what you're seeing is you're seeing businesses aren't paying sales tax because if the business is closed, you don't have sales, you know, things like that. The estimate is that uh, there is going to be a, wait for it, $450 million budget impact this year um, including at least $105 million in lost revenue for for the county, all right? So you, you've got a huge budget crisis, 
And last year, there was like a $30 million shortfall that they had to figure out how to cut. That's going to be nothing, I think, compared to what they're going to be looking at, given all the stuff that's happened with COVID-19 and the coronavirus. Okay, so at this point in time in, in our history, the, the county decides they want to add an extra floating holiday for their employees, which got me wondering about if you're a Milwaukee County employee, how, how many holidays do you get? So here's here is the deal. Right now, if you work full time for the county, here's the deal. You start off with two weeks of vacation when you first get hired. You get two weeks of vacation the first year. After five years, it goes up to three weeks of vacation, and it tops out, if you're at the county for more than, for 20 years or more, you get six weeks. So that's the vacation thing. In addition to the vacation, you get 11 holidays already. And this is, this is not Juneteenth. This is the other holidays that you get. You get, let me see. New Year's Eve Day, New Year's Day, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, Good Friday, Memorial Day, Fourth of July, Labor Day, Thanksgiving Day, Thursday and Friday. So both days are a holiday, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. So you already get 11 days. In addition to the vacation, in addition to the 11 days of holidays, you also get three personal days that, that don't come out of your vacation, the way I understand it. So it's like you get your vacation, and then you get three personal days on top of the holidays. So what will happen is when Juneteenth becomes the, the next floating holiday, that will be 12 days of holidays, three personal days, and depending on how long you've worked there, two weeks to six weeks. Okay. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I really, I sincerely have no problem with declaring Juneteenth to be a, a floating holiday. And and I, I understand, given where we are in this nation's history, that that may be completely and totally appropriate. So my objection isn't with Juneteenth becoming a floating holiday. My question would be, all right, are we at a point, or in Milwaukee County's history, are you at a point where you can afford to add an extra holiday? And maybe instead of, I don't know, adding an extra day off for the employees, maybe you say, okay, we're going to convert one of those personal days, and we're going to turn this into a holiday recognizing Juneteenth Day, instead of simply giving an extra day off, which, again, by my calculation, would, including the personal days, raise the holidays to to 15 days on top of the vacation. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, only a business that's non-essential can afford to give the employees that many days off. Jeff, the county is going bankrupt. Now is not the time to add holiday time for employees, regardless of Black Lives Matter, politics, or any other factors. And I guess that's, see, that's what jumped out to me. Not, is, is it worthy 
Uh, is Juneteenth Day worthy of, of a holiday and worthy of some recognition? My question was, given, again, what the county is looking at, you know, think about the cost of adding yet another holiday. And I'm not minimizing, not minimizing that. Maybe this is one of the things where you say, okay, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna add Juneteenth Day, but maybe we're gonna say, maybe we shouldn't, like many businesses, we're not gonna give you the Friday after Thanksgiving off. Or we're not going to give you New Year's Eve day off. 855-616-1620. That's the accurate mortgage talk about talk and text line. Jeff, what about May 5th for the Hispanic community? Um, is the country going to make that a floating holiday too? Maybe, maybe it should. All right. We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to take your calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Again, my, my objection and my concern isn't declaring Juneteenth Day to be a, a floating holiday. It's that at this point in time, and nobody, nobody's asking this question, at this point in time in the county's history, given the huge budget problems you have, can you afford to be adding an extra day off to a, a vacation schedule, a schedule of days off, which is, I think it's fair to say, by normal standards, it is extremely generous. This will now be 12 paid holidays, three personal days, and depending on how long you've worked for the county, somewhere between two to six weeks of vacation. To give you an idea, um, there are the county's active workforce, the, the most recent number I have is 3,567. Let's, let's assume for the sake of argument that that the average salary is 20 bucks. Now, I, you know, it could be less, it, it could be more, but let's say it's 20 bucks an hour on, on average. 20 bucks an hour spread over 3,567 employees translates into north of $700,000. <laughs> I mean, okay, just that's, that, you know, that's, that's, that's a, you know, that's a, that's a ton of, that's a ton of money that you would end up, you know, having to, that's a ton of money that you would end up having to spend. All right, 855-616-1620. Let's talk to Jim in Pewaukee. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jim. These hi, these conversations always end up in the same place, and, and they're, the, the issue with them, when you, when you look and start to understand, same thing I went, went on with teachers and public employees, you have to look at four major factors. You have your, 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 your compensation, you have insurance benefits, you have retirement, and you have flexibility slash vacation slash sick time. And unless and until you look at all those factors and understand those factors in the public sector versus the private sector, these are non sequitur conversations. They don't, they, they, they don't, they, okay, so fine. In my case, I only get nine paid holidays. Well, when I started, like many of my other people that I know, I started with three weeks of vacation. So now we're taking back five days of vacation and trading off some holidays, and I'm ahead a little bit. And you have to look at all of this stuff. And, and, and I guess my answer to this is, until you look at all these things, if you really decide because you get an extra three or four, I mean, let's face it, I think the average in the United States is nine paid holidays, eight or nine paid holidays. If you really, if you really want to get employed and seek employment because you get three extra paid holidays a year, then go do that. It's very similar to being a teacher. If you if you if you absolutely love the idea of having the entire summer off, well then that that's fine. Then then go work for the county or go be a teacher, and and make fifty or sixty thousand dollars a year. Everyone has that choice. But until you look at all of those four major factors, 
and I'm not saying the county workers are, are grossly underpaid or have terrible insurance or anything like that, but you have to look at them collectively rather than taking one item here and saying, well, they got 12 paid holidays. Well, that's great because I would never give up my position, my salary, my retirement or insurance for three extra holidays. It, it doesn't make any sense. Right. So you have to look at this as a whole. Right. No, I, I don't. I mean, thanks. Right. I, I, right. I, again, I, I, I don't disagree with that. A, at the same time, I think you also have to consider like the budgetary implications. I, I, I carry to zero. It's, it's I think the, to, the total cost for this, again, assuming $20 an hour is going to be less than a 100,000 bucks. It's going to be somewhere between um, like 70 to $100,000 for the county for this one extra day. So you, you do have that perspective that's out there. But still, you're, you're talking about a, a county that does not have that that you know is is a significant financial problems again I, I think it's it's a wonderful thing to do but maybe you you substitute the Juneteenth day floating holiday for the day after Thanksgiving or maybe you substitute that floating holiday for one of the personal days I mean I, I have no problems with recognizing the significance of that but there, there there is a cost that comes into play and i guess especially in a year like this year where you're going to be dealing with huge budget shortages moving forward i mean is it the time to do it lisa in mequon hi lisa how are you today good what do you think well i was telling your general glance of the phone i I'm all for people getting uh, an extra day break for important purposes. I I think you and I am are from the same era. I'm 56 years old, and I just remember feeling so lucky to have my parents home around the dinner table. And I see what's going on with the millennials and the 35, 40-year-olds. They work way more than the... I, I do not envy them at all. Their, their life is work, work, work. And nobody really talks about how hard people work and their work ethic and the, the, what they put into it and how exhausting it is. And so I think that, you know, when these important conversations come up, not just a day off, but to be with a family, to, to talk about important things is important. Well, okay. So, what, what, what about the idea then of we it, we'll, we'll make Juneteenth Day a floating holiday, but we'll take away one of the personal days, or we'll say you you don't also get New Year's Eve Day that, or you don't also get the day after Thanksgiving. What, what about that? I think those things are earned. Uh, you know, you earn your vacation, you earn your sick time, you you earn those things. It's given to you when you come in in a, in a minimal way. And then you earn it from there. And I think that there shouldn't have to be a trade-off. Uh, I think people, families are far too fractured already. And uh, just things that there are so many important things that are neglected. Juneteenth Day, I mean, I can't tell you how many people I know have no idea what it even mm-hmm. signifies. Sure. What, if what about what, what about the idea? Uh, how about Cinco de Mayo? A couple of my texters are saying, should we make that a day off? Um, should Cinco de Mayo be a day off with pay? Uh, you know what? I don't know enough about Cinco de Mayo, other than a, a really celebratory time. I'm just sharing my ignorance with you on that. I, I don't know enough about Cinco de Mayo to know its significance, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so. 
I'm not in favor of one over another, if you will, uh, if there is some real historical significance to that. I, I'm open to having that as well. Okay. Thanks for calling, Lisa. I, I, I get it. I mean, and I, I, I understand. Now, I, I, I wonder, I'm trying to think of like the... The, the days my dad got off back when he was working and my mom worked outside the home too. And, and I don't, my, my dad of course worked in the private sector and I don't remember, uh, six weeks of vacation time after he was at the company for 20 years. And I don't rec, I don't remember, you know, an extra three weeks of, of holidays, but I, I, I could just be remembering that. I get my, my point is not to argue with choosing this particular day to recognize, because I understand the sentiment that's behind it. But one of the things that's not discussed and doesn't come up in this conversation at all is is what is what is the cost and, and what is the cost benefit to just simply to adding a, a day as opposed to, again, saying, all right, you know, we're we have a very generous benefit package to begin with. Okay, what what is the cost? Can we afford another seventy five thousand or a hundred thousand dollars to add another day off you know, to the payroll in a situation like this and what's going to happen to the work and all that. And and if we want to recognize this day, maybe we need to trade it for another day. That That's the issue that it, it just doesn't get discussed because everybody's like, well, okay, we, we want to recognize, you know, we want to recognize Juneteenth Day and we want to make the statement and we want to inform people uh, about, you know, the pervasive effect of racism in this community. And I, I'm, I'm all in favor of that. I, that's not the issue. The issue is, when the county is broke and that the county i don't know if you want to like overly get overly technical on broke but th- this this is not a good economic time for Milwaukee County Milwaukee County has been struggling financially for years and years in large part because of the the pension scandal that we still have not climbed out of this is going to be a particularly bad year because revenues are going to be down big time and I mean, if, if you want to make another day off and add to those costs, fine. Explain to me where the money is going to be coming from. That that's the issue. But nobody seems to be wanting to to talk about money right now or or costs. Let's talk to Marcus on the north side. Hi, Marcus. You're on WTMJ. How are you? I'm well, thank you. What do you think? Well. Uh, Jeff, I love your show. You know, I call into you frequently. I, I don't know where you're coming from. You're, you're, you're totally off base on this issue. First of all, being an African-American male of 50 years of age, listen, we find money for everything else. There's nothing wrong with having Juneteenth Day as a paid day off. Okay. okay? We got these other stupid days as far as Christopher Columbus Day, George Washington, which a lot of black people at this point, we don't not could give a darn about. But what I'm saying, in this climate, what's going on, what have you, it's like we had to fight for Martin Luther King Day off. You guys uh, uh, had a, a, a hissy fit over that. What I'm saying is that there's nothing wrong with this, and you'll find the money for it like everything else. We'll find the money for it, and we'll make it happen. So, but there's nothing wrong. But it's coming from a racist standpoint is how I feel about this issue right now. That's wrong. We should celebrate Juneteenth Day, and it should be a paid day off. That's my sentiment on that. Well, and Marcus, I don't, I don't have any disagreement with you. I mean, that that's fine. Let's pick this as a holiday. But does that mean? The money's got to come from somewhere. How about taking away one of the personal days? How about getting rid of the day after Thanksgiving no, as no, a holiday? No, no, 
Now, how about how about we take it from the police budget? Well, because, okay. That's okay. another thing. So, from, yeah, we can take that percentage from the police budget because that shortfall from the police budget of thirty million dollars that that they're talking about okay. that that's not going to make a hell of any difference with the climate. How that money is being spent in the community, they can take ten million from that budget to pay for this. And okay. that's where we're at with that, Jeff. And that's where the money should come from. Okay. Well, all right. That's that. That's now. Of course, it, this is the city versus the county. But all right. So your your answer would be rather than getting rid of the day after Thanksgiving as a holiday, or rather cutting back on one of the other three floating holidays you get. Let's let's. It's not the city of police in this case, but let, let's let's go to um, Sheriff Lucas and let's say you're going to pay for this extra holiday. We're going to take that out of of your budget. Okay, let let's have that discussion. That that that's it, and then we can argue. All right, what's more important? One extra day off. And again, I'm not saying you can't recognize Juneteenth. I I understand, particularly in today's climate, why that might be appropriate. I'm just saying, do you need to add the day, or do you just substitute that for one of the, for example, three personal days you get, or the day after Thanksgiving, or New Year's Eve day? Your solution is no. Let let's let's cut the budget and you gave me a solution you want to take it out of law enforcement all right well at least let's have that conversation how much is it going to cost and then what does that mean we give up okay so to pay for that we have to get rid of one county sheriff's employee all right that that's two county sheriff's employees i don't know what the number would be is that is that a trade-off or does it make more sense to say hey you got to give up one of your personal days this is jeff wagner wtmj Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. One final thought on the, the new holiday for Milwaukee County employees. I, my, my numbers are a couple weeks old, but, but as of a few weeks ago, 775 Milwaukee County employees had been furloughed. And and because of of the lack of revenue as a result of coronavirus and that the numbers that I'm looking at said they thought that it was going to increase to about 1,100 employees, which is more than 31 percent of the county's active workforce. The furloughs are part of a 60 million dollar cost savings plan that the county has had to enact again because revenues are short. There's a shortfall again with without getting. Without saying or trying to argue that we, you shouldn't have a, a paid holiday for Juneteenth Day, floating holiday for, for Juneteenth Day, the, the question would be, okay, is this the time in a budget process to be adding extra days off, especially when you're looking at, at furloughing employees for goodness knows how long? And again, this is... I, I will tell you, I don't think that there's too many private businesses around that are starting to consider saying, okay, given what's going on now and given the fact that we've had to ask employees to take pay cuts or, or furloughs or things like that, that this is the time that we're going to start adding extra days off regardless of what the merit is. And, and like I say, if you want to recognize Juneteenth Day as a floating holiday, I, I have no issue with that at all, but maybe then you have to look at, you know, why are we, why are we giving people the day after Thanksgiving? off for example if people if people think it's important to have the day after thanksgiving off maybe they, they can use it as one of their their three personal days for instance that's the point all right there is in some circles what i would describe as a war on the police and, and we we all understand that there are examples of police excess i, I spent the first 
45 minutes of yesterday's program talking about my view of what happened at Atlanta where you had the police officers that shot the guy in the back. I I think it's indefensible. My guess is there's going to be criminal charges that come out sometime this week. I don't know anybody who believes that you know what happened several weeks ago in Minneapolis was justified, and I think all of us applaud the criminal charges against the person who was the perpetrator, whether they're going to be able to make criminal charges stick against the other three police officers who are on the scene remains to be, remains to be seen. But clearly, there are police excesses. At the same time, a world without police is almost unfathomable because unfortunately we do not live in a world without criminals now nothing would make i think all of us happier if if you didn't have to worry about you know being a victim of crime but unfortunately that that's not the world we live in and in in certain urban areas for example the city of milwaukee you know crime is a daily part of their concerns about crime is a daily part of 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 several people of people's lives if, if you live in certain areas of the city heck i mean we it, it's now gotten to the point that in milwaukee county and in many surrounding counties the police say don't even think about leaving your car unlocked in your driveway um, because it will be stolen and if you leave your key fob in the car you pretty much guarantee that it's going to be stolen and if you've got a garage door opener in the car as well well then not only are you going to steal your car but there's going to be people who are going to you know use it to open up the garage door and go into bur- and burglarize your place I mean that that's that is unfortunately the world we we live in we used to say Okay, before you cross, make sure you only cross at the light and make sure you follow traffic signals and things like that. Well, well, now you, you can we, we, we tell people, all right, even if you've got the green light, you better not go right away because you don't know when somebody's going to be speeding through an intersection at 95 miles an hour in a stolen car. That, that's just the world that we live in. It's not it's an unfortunate thing, but the reality is we, we have crime and crime is in many respects it is if you don't want to use the term out of control you know crime is at very very high levels so we we need the police at least in my opinion and that this idea that okay well let's let's not have the police it'll make it a better world as i've been saying for a couple of weeks now let's beta test this let's take four cities and let's let's just Let's just put all the police officers on layoff and let's see how things look after four weeks if you know that there's no police force there. And I, I don't want to be that to be a city that I live in. But all right, I understand that there are issues with police community relations and things of the like. I think one of the things that is important in trying to build those bridges is allowing people in various communities to see the police in a context other than when somebody is being arrested for something. And and one of the great ways that that happens, at least in my opinion, is through the use of the school resource officers, police officers in the school. So first of all, they're there in the event that there needs to be a really, really quick response in the Lord you know, you, you hope it never happens, but there's some some example of violence in the school or something. If you've got a police officer on the on the premises, theoretically, you're going to get a quicker response. Right. But secondly, the real value, I think, of having school resource officers is that it allows a relationship and a discussion and it allows the kids to see the police in, in a different 
light, then, oh, this is a police officer that I've just, I, I saw what's going on, this terrible thing in Minneapolis, and so that means all the police are like that. Because most of the police aren't. So I, I think school resource officers and the like are important. Well, now, of course, that idea has fallen out of vogue. In Madison, they are pushing, the Madison Teachers Union now is backing the immediate removal of all police from all high schools. The Milwaukee School Board is going to be holding a meeting on Thursday to discuss its contracts with the police department. Um, apparently what is going on is that um, there's, a, there's a resolution that some people on the board are supporting that indicates that posting officers at schools where students of color make up most of the population does not help create a healthy learning environment or temper long simmering distrust and resentments aimed at the police. And so the idea is let's pull the cops out of the schools and then reallocate the the funds, get the cops out of the schools. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. See, I, I think this is the complete wrong way to go about this. If you want to promote better police community relations, you want to expose as many, particularly young people, as possible to police officers so they can see them in in the context and they can recognize that they're people and they can recognize that they're there to help. And to me, the best way to do that is to have the cops in the schools. 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, should we pull the police out of the school? Should we get rid of school resource officers in favor of, I, I don't know, counselors or in favor of, I don't know, private security forces or whatever? I think it's a bad idea, especially if we're trying to figure out ways to you know, bridge some of the problem between the police and the community. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a minute. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Here's a text, Jeff. I love how everything is being turned against the police. To remove an officer from a high school, which is what they want to do in Madison and what they want to do in Milwaukee, is an awful idea. What about the good kids that might get caught in the 10 to 12 bad kids fight? We need at least one officer in every school at times. Look at the school shootings that might have been avoided due to an officer being at the school. Well, there's that element. There's the security element, but there's also the interpersonal element that I think is more important now than ever. An opportunity for kids to see that police officers are, are people too, and to get to know and interact with some of the officers that might be on the scene to recognize that the police are are not an occupying force, that the police are are not the enemy. And again, I I understand there's bad cops out there. I, I get it. You see that all the time. But at the same time, that's not the majority of people. And if you If you can somehow break down these barriers where some people believe that the police are the enemy, isn't that a positive step towards a better community? Let's talk to Sherry in Hartford. Hi, Sherry. You're on WTMJ. Good morning, Jeff. Hi, Sherry. I am calling because I work at uh, a local high school. Am I allowed to say what district? Absolutely. I work for the school district of Waukesha. Okay. And I have to say I have worked with many school resource officers. And they have all been fabulous. 
we are currently blessed with an amazing guy who makes relationships with staff, with students, with families. He teaches lessons in classrooms. He provides safety instruction to us. He is such a blessing and would be a terrible loss. Well, well, right, and it's and it's not just the security element, but he's he he's personalizing it. it you know, so when when some of the kids think of you know the police department, they're they're going to think of their relationship with this officer instead of oh, there's just this sort of these anonymous figures that are out there, you know, on the street. It it seems to me again that this is from the interpersonal perspective. You, you'd really lose something if you didn't give if you didn't give the kids an opportunity to interact with police. I agree with you totally. He has brought his family to school events. He participates in dodgeball against the kids. One time he dressed up in his full SWAT gear to play dodgeball. It was hilarious. Um, A school resource officer adds so much. I'm going to say I work as a school psychologist. You were talking about counselors or psychologists. He is in our office with us with the counselors, the social worker, and, and me, and he is part of our family. Yep. Thanks for the call, Sherry. I, I appreciate it. I think that's an important perspective to have. Okay, now here's a, here's a text, Jeff. The removal of the police presence may lower stress and anxiety. In turn, removing those elements might promote a calm environment. My only analogy is the feeling one gets when a cop is following them on the freeway and they are not speeding. Okay, I got to think that one through. I I guess this my my point is this. First of all, there is that security element. Remember a couple years ago when we had a spate of school shooting shootings. Then I mean the the big push was we we have to have more security in the schools. We we need to have the police. We need to have a quicker response. You know it's un. It's not an acceptable situation where you have, you know, shots fired or an example, there's school shooter and there's nobody on the scene and it takes five minutes for, you know, the police or 10 minutes to respond. Okay, well, that was a couple of years ago. There's still that security presence that's there. But I guess my, my point would be that, I mean, the texter says, okay, removing the police may lower stress and anxiety. Well, I, I, I guess I don't, I don't buy that. I, I, that's my point. I, I don't think merely interacting with a police officer in that kind of setting should be something that creates stress and anxiety. And my point would be that by, by having that opportunity when you're a high school freshman or, or when you're in middle school or whatever to interact with the, the police officer. Look, when I, when I grew up, one of my best friends, kid, one of my best friend's dads was, was a, was a police officer. Okay, so that, you know, that, that was it. You, you got to see this thing that, that was personalized. Now, I understand I, I didn't grow up in high crime areas, and so I had a different interactions. And I, I understand that there are concerns in various communities ab- about, you know, interactions with the police. And in some areas, the police are viewed as occupying forces, and you have the whole issue of over-policing. And I'm sensitive to all that stuff. All I'm saying is one way to break down those barriers is to allow people to get together and to interact. And what better spot for it than if you're if you're in the setting of, say, a school. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
Milwaukee, you have a World Series. At least we did in 1982. I was there. Bob Euchre calls another Brewers classic as we go back to the Suds Series. Game one of the 1982 World Series between the Brewers and the Cardinals. Tune in Wednesday at 6. We're one week closer to live Brewers baseball. Brewers Classic is sponsored by the Salvation Army of Greater Milwaukee, the Greater Milwaukee Honda Dealers, Sitzberger and Company, Cobison Buses, and Schneider Trucking. Yeah, that's uh, tomorrow night. I, I, honest to goodness, I don't know. I have, I have no clue as to what the baseball season is going to look like. We've, we've discussed this before, but there... There really, there's all sorts of other of issues bringing back, bringing back the various sports. There's a big piece in the Wall Street Journal today talking about, you know, the problems that they're going to have with football, given the fact that you, you can't social distance with football. That's just the, the, the nature of that. You know, you can play without fans in the stands, but, you know, you've got large groups of people. They're going to be in close quarters. You know, what happens if somebody gets sick? You know, the NBA has that, that same sort of issue. You, you can't social distance, but, you know, I think they're going to be able to kind of work through that because the sense I get is that both with the NFL players and the NBA players, they they want to come back. They they want to begin playing. In Major League Baseball, you have such bad feelings between the owners and the union that there just appears to be no common ground a- at all. And one of the things that the census I've, uh, that I have gotten over the course of the last month or so, you know, baseball should have been the first sport back. It should have. But because the, the collective bargaining agreement expires after next year, I- I've gotten the impression that everything that's been going on over the last couple months really isn't about trying to work out a, a return of the game. Instead, it's been, okay, we're going to file a complaint or you're going to file a complaint and, and we're going to argue that this has been unfair bargaining or whatever. We're, we're trying to, you know, gain a, a legal foothold on it. And, and whether you blame the owners or whether you blame the players, and believe me, there's lots of blame to go around. There's lots of different theories that are there. It, it looks to me like, you know, baseball is in trouble. It just flat out is in trouble. And that comes from the perspective of somebody who not only works for a radio station that is a flagship to the Brewers, is a huge Brewers fan myself and loves the game of baseball. I I just wonder if what is going on now might damage the game, not just significantly, but might damage the game permanently. That is always the possibility that is there. Hey, by the way, one final thought before we turn it over to Melissa for the news. A number of people have made references about, let's, let's, let, let's today on the show, let, let's cut the police budget and let's do this with the money or that with the money. There, there's a real interesting piece that Fox News has. They, they look at, at Detroit and Detroit, now I understand Detroit is not Milwaukee, different sort of issues, larger city. But what happened is back in, in 2014, the city of Detroit went through a bankruptcy, and, and as a result of that, the funding for the police department over the last six years has fallen by about 20% as a result of the fiscal problems that it had. And, you know, what what's happened as a general rule? Well, with a couple minor exceptions, what's happened as a general rule is that crime in Detroit has skyrocketed. So if you think cutting the police budget by 10%, or 15% or or 20%. If you think that's not going to have an impact on crime, I'm sorry, make sure you duck your shoulder when you fall off the turnip truck so you don't hurt yourself. You you can't cut 
the police budget 10% or 20%. You can't do that and not expect that there's not going to be a significant fallout of fewer police officers on the street. And is that really a good thing? I would argue no. Food for thought. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. For those of you following the stock market, uh, good news in the market today and also good for longer economic trends. The Dow Jones up 632 points, which is about 2.5%. The NASDAQ up 179, which is 1.84%. And here's this is based on on some interesting data apparently you know one of the big questions with the recovery is are people going to go out are people going to spend money are people going to buy things and we we don't really for sure know the answer to that there's some industries that i think are it's going to take a longer time for them to come back like the airline industry but the numbers that came out today is that um in may retail sales rose by 18 percent that uh, that spending jump was the biggest monthly increase um, in records dating back to 1992 now it, it comes on the heels of a, of a huge drop-off in retail spending in April but the, the, the reason I think the market is up is because a lot of investors are looking at it and they're saying okay looking at this data it, yes it, it probably retail spending had nowhere to go but up from where it was in April, but nonetheless, it, it did go up, and it, and it went up pretty dramatically, like 18%. So that, that's a good thing, hoping that this all you know continues, is that people who come out from the quarantines and their isolation, that they're willing to go out and they're, they're willing to buy stuff, and that there's, I've always believed, there's going to be pent-up demands for things. I mean, I, I, I think next year is going to be a huge year for the travel industry. I, I believe it. Now, this year, may, maybe not as much, but I think next year is going to be a, a big year, which brings me to what I want to talk to you next about. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. No pun intended, I want to take your, your temperature. Over the last several days, as as I have been emerging from the, the coronavirus cocoon, as I've been you know coming into work as opposed to working at home, as I've been going out. Now, I, I, I haven't been in large crowds. I don't intend to go to large crowds, but I have I have gone to restaurants and sat with one exception on, on the patio. One, one time we were inside, but generally I've been, it's been patio dining. I, I haven't been around large groups of people, but I have, I mean, my wife and I have gone out with, with other couples, uh, you know, friends of ours. I, I was at a, at a dinner party, as I was saying a little while ago, with a total of 12 people, but I mean, th- these are, these are all friends. So it's, I, I have a, I know where they've been during the, the course of the last couple months. So it's not with, with strangers or things like that, but I, I'm starting, I'm starting to go out in public. I am, Still not at a point where I, I feel comfortable wading into a, a group of, of thousands of people. And if if opening day were tomorrow and, and the Brewers were allowed to have 45,000 people at Miller Park, I have to say I, I think – I think I'd, I'd be reluctant to necessarily want to go and be interacting with 45,000 strangers. That, that's, that's just where I am. But as far as being willing to, to go out 
into public, to start easing back in, to start going to restaurants, to start going and getting my hair cut, to start, you know, um, going to the golf driving range, to things like that. I, I'm, I'm less and less uncomfortable. Our number, 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Where are you on the scale of coming out of the, the isolation? Are you more comfortable being in public? Are you afraid that we've gone too far too fast? Have we not opened up fast enough? I want to take your temperature, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are you becoming more comfortable going out? And I guess my answer is 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 yeah. Um, I I think I I am. I'm still. I look I b- because of my age. And I, I am I in a hurry to you know jump into you know ga- mass gatherings? No, the answer is no. I'm I'm not. But at the same time, I, I have I have no problem being around people, particularly in sort of limited sort of circumstances, or people who are are my friends who I, I I don't believe have who I believe have been you know taking appropriate precautions over the course of the last several months as well. Jeff, we need to get back to normal. Voting, rallies, and protests can happen. People can get back to their normal routine. Uh, here's another text. Jeff, as someone whose mom is high risk, I, I think it's going way too fast. And stories like the nursing homes that have had these deaths frighten me to the point of rethinking some of my positions. Let's talk to James in Milwaukee. James, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. How you doing, Jeff? Hi, James. Yeah, I went, uh, you know, you're talking about getting a haircut. I went from... Uh Looking from something the uh, 60s or the 70s to uh, looking like Yul Brenner, uh, <laughs> but uh, I'll tell you one thing: it felt good. Uh, now I can think better. Oh yeah, well that, that's it. Okay, so are we reopening too quick, Lee? No, we're not. Uh, I was to uh, Oscars uh, the other day too. Uh, sat in their uh, what do you call it, their, their, their place there and had a hamburger in that and with some friends and yeah. I was I didn't feel threatened. I I, fe- I felt that maybe we. We are doing a little slowly, but uh, but at least slow is better than none at all. Well, a- absolutely, James. Thanks. I mean, again, I I, I think you know I, I said this when the Supreme Court decision came out. I, I said that I think I I trust people, and, and actually, th- are, are there going to be people that do stupid things? Yes, I, I understand. There were people as soon as that decision came out, they rushed out and they piled into a couple bars, and the news media went around and they found those open bars that, and and then they they ran that as the story. But if you look at the number, matter of fact, the Wall Street Journal wrote this up in an editorial the other day. I talked about if you look at the numbers from Wisconsin, there there was not in the immediate aftermath of the Supreme Court ruling, there there wasn't a huge spike in the numbers of, of COVID cases. And if you look at what's going on now, I mean, for example, the, the number of people hospitalized has been declining rapidly for for weeks. And as of yesterday, fewer people are hospitalized with coronavirus than at any point since, you know, April Fourth. Now, I, I don't mean to suggest that coronavirus isn't still with us, but I think people are getting getting smarter. Plus, we're 
we're, we're starting to understand more and more about this, which I think is important, you know, moving forward if, if there are spikes. What are we starting to realize? Big piece in the Washington Post today that if you look at if you look at the bad outcomes and, and what's the worst outcome, it would be be death. What they find is that people, patients with underlying conditions were 12 times as likely to die of COVID-19 as otherwise healthy people. Um, people with underlying medical conditions like heart disease and uncontrolled diabetes hospitalized six times as often as otherwise healthy individuals um, in the first four months of the pandemic, and they died 12 times as often. So we, we know this now, that you know that, that as we move forward and try to figure things out, Nobody wants to get coronavirus. Nobody wants to get COVID-19. So let's say that. But among the people who get it, it is particularly important for the folks that, you know, are are older, the, the people that are in. And again, the, the numbers go up at, at 90. You're more susceptible to a bad outcome than at 80. And at, at 70, you're more susceptible than at 60. OK, so we know that. Then you couple in hypertension. You couple in people who are obese. You couple in people who have the out of control diabetes and, and the chances of bad outcomes are better. One of the reasons why I think perhaps the protests, even if they result in an increased number of COVID-19 cases, I think one of the reasons why it might not lead to a spike in hospitalizations is because not all, but most of the people participating in the protests were were younger. So yeah, yes, they they might get sick and, and that's not a good thing, but the chances of them having a bad outcome are less. Also, you know, what what are we starting to learn about this? There's another piece this in the Wall Street Journal today about how look look, a lot of these things that we were worried about in the beginning we're now finding isn't true. The scientists are saying it's not common to get coronavirus from a contaminated surface. Okay, that that's now they're starting to establish that. And they also say fleeting contacts or encounters with people particularly outdoors, are unlikely to spread the the coronavirus. What they're finding is the major culprit is close-up, person-to-person interactions for extended periods. So, I mean, that, that, and that makes sense if you think about it. We look at the outbreaks on, in the meat plants. Well, you got a bunch of people that are working on the processing line and they're standing close to each other and they're there for hour after hour after hour and one of them is sick and then so other people end up getting sick. Those are the type of things that make sense to me. You put all these things together and I, I think, you know, one of the things that, that happen is that we're smarter now as to how we figure out how to deal with this. And, and I understand that there's some people that rush out and, and do dumb stuff. But I think most of us get the idea that you, you don't want to be in, in large groups of strangers and that there are distancing things that you can do and you can wear the mask if you think that's appropriate and all those type of things, I, I think that's the way to deal with it. And I think we need to give ourselves credit and recognize, okay, it, we're not going too slow in opening up the state and in opening up this country. And by the way, we, we can't afford not to do it because the economic devastation cl- that's been caused by what's been going on is just un- unfathomable. And, and whenever I say that, I always get the text from people who say, well, you know, you don't care about saving people's lives. Well, of course I do, but it's not a binary choice. I mean, you you, you can care about people's health 
and you can also care about the economy. And the, the two go hand in hand. And that's why I think moving forward, what we do is we we concentrate on okay the, the mass gatherings. We concentrate on trying to keep. COVID-19 out of the nursing homes and out of some of these workplace settings where people are put together in in really close quarters. And and you do that and you figure out maybe that's how you live with this bunch of texts. Jeff, we are not opening too quickly. If we're going to stay closed with the numbers we have now, then we should be closed during every flu season. Well, again, it's not the flu. I understand that. At some point, we have to start to actually live our lives rather than cower in fear because of compromised members of society who might be at at risk. Um, Jeff, people cannot shelter forever. Um, the government has closed businesses and removed entertainment parks, gyms, etc. No touching, mask the people, um, close the temples and the churches, create a vacuum. Um, so, no, the point is you got to go back. Um, so all these different factors that, that are out there, and I guess I, I look at this, I look at what we know now, and I, I also look at some of these key things, the number of hospitalizations, the number of deaths, etc. Any death is unacceptable, but the reality is I, I think we're getting a handle on this, and to the extent that, that people still get sick, well, it's, it's a reminder that we need to be smart about it. It's not an indicator, though, that we need to continue to shut stuff down. I don't think you can go back and, and say to all these businesses that have been just economically devastated, many of which you know, haven't opened up, but the ones that have been able to make it through, you can't go to them and say, okay, we're, we're going to close. You have to have learned something over the course of the last several months and recognized we did what we did. All right, now we've done that. What do we know about it, and how do we move forward? And, you know, moving forward is just encouraging people to be smart. I trust people to do that. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, so Melissa, were you wondering what Scott Warris was? Scott Warris, who's filling in for Steve Scafidi this week and does a great job, I, I was like focused on something else yeah. and he he, he kind of came in like with i some, saw hands flailing like like, like this like trying like to get that. my attention because i was just kind of staring down at the yeah. street were you wondering what his big news was i well, i kind of was okay. i was reading the news while i was kind of right you, you were working that. and i was kind of <laughs> yeah. like getting ready for the yeah. next segment and he was kind of coming in here well it, it was important um it, it was very important because if we kind of pull back the the the, the curtain on, on what goes on around here now that we're all back it it used to be that we we could have the run of the building around here mm. because you know we, we used to be with with our the TV station we used to be owned by the same company yes. and for about a year and a half ago we we got spun off they got spun off we got spun off to good karma and, and i think i speak for all of us we love working a great for move. good karma yes. absolutely yes. so now we we rent our portion of the building and while i was gone during that 11 weeks they apparently did something they've been saying they were going to do now you, you come in here and and we're we're in like a third of the building and there's there are these like velvet ropes that you're not allowed <laughs> they say scripts employees only yeah. pass this so there's only one door that we can come into and there's only you know there, there's only limited space we, right. we can't go to the vending machines because we're not supposed no, to go there you and, can have like someone else go over there sit give them money and then <laughs> <laughs> okay well I, I haven't gotten to that point okay. yet but okay so we're, we're now all here and, and that's that that's that's kind of all well and good I can live with that but the the thing is there for at least men's rooms oh, there's no. only one men's room that you can use here is that, it the if, yucky if, one 
Well, yeah, it's a yucky one, but it's but okay. But but here's the thing: there's only one men's room that, <laughs> mm-hmm. that you can use. All right. So the the men's room, uh, there are two sinks in the men's room. Okay, one of the sinks does not work at all. Oh. I mean, w- nothing comes out of it. You know, you it's one of those where you like you you rub your hands under it, water's supposed to come. So one sink does not work at all. All right. The second, and of course, we're we're in this era of washing our hands and stuff oh, like yeah. that. So okay, one sink doesn't work at all. The second sink. Well, the hot water works just fine. The hot water will pour out. The cold water faucet, when you turn that faucet on, it trickles. Oh, no. Oh. So, I mean, you're, you're essentially washing your hands yeah. in scalding water. All right. So, okay. But that, but that's. So, it's hard to do the 20 seconds in scalding Oh, it's impossible. Well, impossible. To do the, right. You're, you're impossible to do the 20 seconds. Okay. So, that's it. One sink doesn't work at all. And, you know, one sink, again, scalding water or just like a little tiny trickle of water. Okay. Well, the, the cherry on the cake of this is so I, I'm, I'm in there this morning yeah. but before the show and I go to wash my hands and the one sink <laughs> oh, that no. works and the, the sink is all clogged so oh. it's like full of water huh and i'm like okay <laughs> it's like what do you do now like hand sanitize right. everything well well, like, well yes that's that's actually that's do. that is what i i did so but i was telling that to war so that he comes running in that was his big news i gotta tell you gotta tell you it's the fixed. sink is un- oh. well, the sink is unclogged oh, i mean God. it's still it's or at least it is drained it, it's still the water doesn't come out of it and stuff like that so i mean i, I think I, I think the people that own Good Karma should be saying to the landlords, hey, get this stuff taken care of, fixed. for goodness sake. Give them a sakes. list. Give them a list. Here's, here's the list. I want it fixed. <laughs> I, I, I want it fixed. But anyways, that's what he was running in here for. Then that's he had, nice. He, and he was also telling me about how, you know, it, it's sort of interesting that, uh, you know, Cops was canceled and Live PD yeah. was canceled and all these things. Um, law and Order, they're adding a new Law and Order show. But Law and Order isn't canceled. Not only is it not canceled, they're but it's more. like they're right they're It's like expanding like bunnies that there's, you know, there's there's going to be another Law and Order show. That's got to be one of the longest running it shows is. on TV. I was going to say I used to watch that decades ago. I am proud of the fact that I've, I've never watched you it. You never watched it. Well, it's just, you wow. know, it came on when I was back as, you know, when I was in when you're law in the profession, you don't want to right. watch and it. And it was it was just like too much the, those police procedurals. I, and I understand why people love it. and It's been on forever, but I just never got into it. Yeah. But bottom line is. If you decide to go into the men's room, use the sink on the left, and, and now if you need hot water, you can get it out of that sink on the left. With the trickle of the cold water. With the trickle <laughs> of the cold water. But if you need hot water, that's it, the sink on, on the left, because it's the only one that works. Is there a statute of limitations on bad behavior? And, you know, we, we, there is, we, we talk a lot, and this is kind of like the story about the cops and live PD. We talk about the, the cancel culture nowadays. And how it seems like there is an obsession out there to go back into people's pasts and try to find moments where the the individual has done something that showed a lack of judgment or if not a lack of judgment, maybe a lack of sensitivity or whatever, and and then bring that up and and try to apply it to the standards that that we have in in 2020. And it's why you you see these stories from time to time about, hey, here's this person that went to Halloween parties are notorious for this. Here's a guy that went to a Halloween party 15 years ago and was dressed fill in the blank and, and look at how insensitive that is and how can we hire him for a job or there needs to be discipline. It's that cancel culture that's out there. And I have always argued that there there needs to be a statute of limitations on bad behavior. In other words, we, we all do stupid things, some stuff more stupid than, than others. But at, at some point 
in time, going back decades to try to find something that that somebody did and then trying to use that against them in the future, I I think is, is wrong. Which brings me to the story of Howard Stern. You know who Howard Stern is. Howard Stern is the started out as the shock radio jock, and um, he the, he's got the movie Private Parts that was out. And, and Howard Stern, he's a I guess he's a judge on what The Voice or America's Got Talent or one of those things. But you know Howard Stern kind of you know re- changed the, the radio industry in a certain respects. He was this you know he was this. Talk radio, but again, it wasn't talk radio like I do. He was this sort of shock jock that interviewed all these celebrities and just said whatever came on his mind. And he did stuff that was offensive to a lot of people, but it it doesn't matter because people were, were attracted. It was funny. It was cutting edge. It was offensive. But it, it was it was his shtick. He he, you know, he was the guy that he used to get a lot of mileage out of, you know, talking about you know lesbian women and things like that. Well, okay, he he built this cottage industry, and then he left terrestrial radio, um, working for a station like WTMJ, and, and he went and he was like the he was he went to uh, satellite radios on like Sirius or whatever that was or, or whatever it is, and and he he kind of built. He helped build that up. Very, very successful. Very, very talented in what he does. He's not everybody's cup of tea. But Howard Stern, I mean, the people that love him absolutely love him. He's got a huge following, makes a ton of money, has a ton of listeners. All right. So here's the story. Back in 1993, Ted Danson, who played Sam on Cheers, remember the TV show Cheers, Ted Danson was dating Whoopi Goldberg. And Ted Danson is white. Whoopi Goldberg is black. Ted Danson had this infamous appearance back in 1993 at the Friars Club where he showed up in blackface. Um, you know, and where, where he showed up, you know, where he showed up in blackface for this Friars Club roast. And it, it was just, it was painful Painful, painful, painful to, to watch. All right. Well, Howard Stern decided he wanted to do a parody of this appearance. So Stern, dressed up in blackface, appears on on his show with Sherman Helmsley, who was George Jefferson on the Jeffersons. And, and Sherman Helmsley is playing Whoopi Goldberg. And Stern is playing Ted Danson, and they do this painful-to-watch skit where Howard Stern is telling all these racist jokes and using all sorts of language that are completely inappropriate. And the joke is he keeps pointing to the Whoopi Goldberg character, said, Whoopi wrote that, Whoopi wrote that. It is an awful, awful skit. To, to watch it, it's painful, and I will tell you, it was painful in 1993 to watch, much less you know by today's standards. So this has now surfaced, and there's all sorts of people that are out there that are calling for Howard Stern's head for for doing this particular thing, and you know he came out and he addressed it yesterday, and he said, look, he said, look, here's here's the deal. He said that this what I did back in 1993 was not atypical of what I did for comedy at the time. But he said, I've, I've also evolved behind that. He says, I won't go back and watch those old shows. It's like, who is that guy? But it was my shtick. That's what I did, and I own it. 
Um, I don't think I got embraced by Nazi groups and hate groups. They seem to think I was against them, too. Everybody has a bone to pick with me. He says, um, I was able to change my approach, change my life, and change how I communicated. If I had to do it all over again, would I lampoon Ted Danson, a white guy in blackface? Yeah, I was lampooning him and saying, I'm going to shine a light on this. Would, would I bow in the same way? Probably not. I probably wouldn't. All right, so... so you know, Howard Stern is owning this. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is is that enough? Is it enough to come out and say, okay, I did this thing in 1993 or 1994. I, I thought it was funny at the time. It was kind of what I did. And now I recognize 25 years later that it it, it was a bad approach, wouldn't do it Again, I'm going to own it. Yeah, I, I did it, but now it's time to move on. Can people change? Is there a statute of limitations on bad behavior? My answer would be yes. And I would apply it, by the way, not just to Howard Stern, but I would apply it to other people as well. And I think sometimes trying to judge people by stuff they did 25 years ago and then say, okay, let's look back on this, and we think you're a horrible person, or we think you shouldn't be on the air, or whatever, because you did this 25 years ago, or we think you shouldn't have a job today, or you shouldn't be hired for this or hired for that. That's where I, I have an issue. All right, do we cancel people like Howard Stern, or is there a statute of limitations on bad behavior? 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. See, I want to remember this segment when we have the inevitable story that's going to come up about somebody who's running for office or seeking some sort of appointment or whatever, and somebody goes back and finds that, gee, um, in their senior year in college, you know, they showed up in in some costume or they participated in certain in a certain event, which judged by today's standards would probably be inappropriate because there's a lot of skeletons in a lot of people's closets like that. And, and we find they're, they're being canceled. And I've always said, you know, it, to, to take to take an incident in somebody's life. Now, it, it's one thing if you've got somebody who who's been engaging over the course of their lifetime in a pattern of behavior, it, it's, that's fine. But it's another thing to say, you know, 25 years ago, you went to this Halloween party and, and you were dressed in this particular fashion and, and, and look, you know, how terrible that is. And now you, you shouldn't be able to work at your job or you shouldn't get this appointment or, or people shouldn't vote for you. I, I've always, I've always objected to that because I do believe you do need a, a statute of limitations on bad behavior. And, and candidly, I mean, I could care less about Howard Stern one way or the other. I haven't, I don't think I've listened to more than five minutes of the radio show probably in 25 years. But at the same time, I mean, you, you do, especially in the world of entertainment, you, you think back to what people did. I mean, okay, Mel Brooks, who I think is one of the great American filmmakers, uh, a, a movie, his movie Blazing Saddles, which I just think is funny as heck, that lampoons just about everybody. But, I mean, it, it has every racist and, and sexist stereotype imaginable. 
and it, it uses those, but it, it's it's parodying all the it, it it exists as a parody. Now I don't think you could make Blazing Saddles today. I, I think Mel Brooks would say you couldn't make Blazing Saddles today because there there would be people who just wouldn't get it. There'd be people who want to be offended. But does that mean that Mel Brooks is a racist? No, it, it means that. He, he was trying to poke fun at this, and, and somehow we, we've lost our ability for parody. You know, Howard Stern, I, I think this was, was parody. It Again, it's painful to watch, but at some point in time, I think you need to allow people to to grow from this. Jeff, I'm not, here's some text, I'm not a Howard Stern fan, but I do give him credit and applaud him for, you know, owning his, his past. Um, let's see. Jeff, um, people evolve and change, and isn't that the point? We've all done things we regret, and while I do believe there are some things that some people may never recover from, many people are written off much too quickly. If we dig far enough, my guess is perhaps we'd all be canceled. Jeff, let who is perfect cast the first stone. People need to remember they all have skeletons. Everybody does. How we evolve and grow Good for Stern owning it and moving on. Jeff, I do think there should be a statute of limitations and forgiveness for past behavior when someone freely acknowledges, owns up to it, and sincerely apologizes. But unfortunately, it seems society today just won't do that because many are trying to ban and purge and sanitize everything and everyone who acted not in accordance with current standards. Lack of forgiveness is just another example of our sanitizing and erasing of history. Um, uh, Jeff, Gene Wilder did Blackface in Silver Streak, the movie. Um, that movie is still playing. Yeah, I mean, there, and, and again, you, it, it's one of these things that, you know, things evolve. Things were acceptable at a particular time that wouldn't necessarily be, expe- wouldn't be acceptable now, but it, it's, the, the idea that we can't forgive people is what the the frustration I have is and, and can't just judge people. Again, I could care less about Howard Stern one way or the other, other than let's remember this conversation. The, the next time it, it comes up with somebody and we're trying to cancel their ability to work or cancel their ability to get a job or cancel their ability to be a performer or whatever based on, on something they did 25 years ago. Bob in Milwaukee. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, I'm not a big Howard Stern fan, and I think I probably would have found the thing offensive at the time, but you turn the channel. But I'm thinking of the show MASH, both the movie and the show. When you look at it, it's pure sexual harassment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and you know there were is there were there were characters in there that there were in the movie in particular there were racial overtones to the stuff. Yeah, I mean you drunken you, driving, smoking, uh, right. you know, right? You name it, and and it's considered to be an iconic film and TV show. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, and thanks to call. I mean, you, you've got, and and that's that's I, I look at this cancel culture that's going on nowadays where. You know, people are saying, OK, you, you did this at a particular time and, you know, now that 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 was offensive or people should have been offended and, and people instead laughed. I mean, the best example I give, like I say, is the movie Blazing Saddles. If you haven't seen it, watch it sometime. Watch it, you know, in the unedited fashion. You'll go, my gosh, I can't believe that they could make that particular movie. But they did make the movie and, and people laughed at it because we all realized it was it was satirical. It was a parody of things that were going on. 
um, Howard Stern engaging in a parody of things, of uh, stuff. I didn't think it was particularly funny. And like I say, it was clearly sort of offensive, but that's how the guy made the living. And all right, 25 years later, I think you give him a pass. And I say that about Howard Stern. My guess is I'm going to say it about something else that, that maybe, I don't know, somebody else who runs afoul of political correctness or the cancel culture, and maybe that per be a little bit more controversial or come from a different side of the aisle, but I think there has to be a statute of limitations for bad behavior.